Hello, this is Word of Life in Bentonville, Arkansas, and you are listening to our podcast. This is episode number 14, and you are listening to the third installment of our series, Knowing God. Check out what Pastor Bill has to share with you today. I heard this um, at a get-together. Joel Osteen said one of the things that he really didn't like about being well-known, a high-profile ministry, was that he was flying somewhere for Christmas, I think maybe last year. And so they're changing planes. He and his wife and children, they're changing planes in Memphis so they get off the plane, they just have a very short period of time. They have to be to wherever the other gate is to load, get onto the plane they're leaving on. But as they're rushing through the airport, a little lady, a little couple there met them. And she stops him and says, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I just love you. I just love you. I love to hear you. I just love you. I love what you do. I, I love to hear you. And he's, he's just kind of standing there like, well, you know, I really need to go on. And so finally he excused himself and began to walk off. And her husband's standing there and she said, he said, she said, don't you like to hear him? And he said, well, I don't know. Who is that? And she said, well, I, I don't remember his name, but he does that song, Achy Breaky Heart. So, <laughs> so you know, I wanted to say that because... <clears throat> It's funny, one thing, and a lot of you needed it. And people listen better when they have a smile on their face. I don't know if you know that or not. Speakers do better when they have a smile on their face too. But This is really not the sermon this morning, but faith comes by hearing. I just want to encourage you with this this morning. Faith comes by hearing. <laughs> that woman had heard, but <laughs> she heard the wrong person. Hearing is, this is my definition. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is, hearing is not just hear, it's hear. Hearing is listening intently so that the word gets planted in my inner man. See, you can't, you can't go to church and text on your cell phone dream about what you're, where you're going for lunch, wander around out in the hallways, and hear. One of the main reasons you should go to church is to hear the Word. The Word is what you'd have to build your life on. But you can only build it on the Word that you really hear in the inner man, in the inner man. So then that Word grows, and then I learn how I can apply what I have heard to my life. There's a lot of great stories in the Word of God, but if I don't learn to use those stories, if I don't learn to use the Word of God to change me, to make a difference in my life, then the Word will do me no good. How many can say amen? So I want to continue this morning with knowing God, knowing God that I might know Him. James chapter 4, verse 8 we, we looked at this a few weeks ago, but it says, uh, the first line there is, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. 
I was thinking about that, and then I'm thinking about Philippians 3.10, that I may know him. To draw near to God is to know him better. To know someone from a distance does not give us intimacy. I hear of couples, you know, living in separate states or people even that are dating or engaged, living in different states. But especially in marriage, you can't, you can't have a marriage, you can't have a really good marriage because marriage is, by the way, marriage is all about, just like with God, it's all about getting to know one another. There are things about my wife, we've been married a few years now, there are things about my wife that I learn as we continually live our lives together. There's things about God that I learn as I continue to serve him. I've been serving him nearly 50 years now, but I still learn new things about God. The angels and the elders around the throne of God, they're constantly circling him and they're saying, holy, holy, holy. And one minister said, they, sip, they do that because they're seeing, they're constantly seeing a new aspect of God. How I many you know he's so great, he's so wonderful that how I many would admit you've not arrived yet? You don't know all about God you need to know, amen? And so that's why we want to talk about knowing God. Drawing near requires a voluntary, intentional, and wholehearted turning away from the world so that God can reveal himself to us, to engage in definite daily walking with him in childlike trust. Then comes that quiet assurance of faith, and we hear him say, I am with you always. I'm with you always. But until you experience what he did, you'll not truly know him. Until you have some of the same experiences that he he had, you won't really know him. I know you in this room on different levels. You know other people in this room on different levels. The more experiences that you've had, that they've had, or especially you've had with them, the better you will know them. Having to say amen to that. And so until you experience what he did, you won't really truly know him. Back to Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Apostle Paul's writing here under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And this is really nice of him. He laid out a three-point sermon for us. Everybody likes a three-point sermon, don't they? But I want to talk about these. It's, it's the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. That's how we, we're getting to know him, experiencing this with him being conformed to his death. But I, I want to talk about him in reverse because I don't want to end up with death. I want to end up with resurrection, okay? So can I do that? First of all, I want to talk about knowing God means that I must die to the world and die to self. I will never know God like I really want to know him unless I'm willing to die to self and the world and to sin. I mean, say amen. Until I until I am willing to die to selfishness, self-exaltation, self-centeredness, self-preservation, selfish ambitions, the word, word of God talks about, 
and until I'm willing to die to, to sin. If you if you're, have your Bibles there, they will not put this on the screen. You might want to look with me. Look with me. I'm going the wrong direction in my Bible. A great Bible scholar that I am. To Galatians chapter 5. This is what I must die to. Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 talks about the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh are evident. We, we see them plainly, it's, it's saying, which are, and it begins to list, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Now, I, and then I'll even give you a couple more, idolatry, sorcery. Now, I heard a lot about those growing up, and which is fine. It's fine. They are, that is sin. That is works of the flesh, and they need to be pointed out. If you have this working in you, you need to stop it. You will never know God like you really need to know him if that's going on in your life. It'll just, it just stops the flow of the Spirit. It just stops the revelation of the Word. It stops the revelation of who Jesus really is if you have that going on in your life. Idolatry and sort. But I didn't hear much about these. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries. Now, a couple of them I heard quite a bit about, but I didn't hear about all of them. I didn't hear about all of them. And I will just tell you straight up, some of the meanest people I ever met in my life were in church. Some of the meanest people I ever heard, you'd hear them speak in tongues in church, but on the job or at home, they're having fights. They're hating one another. They're speaking out. They're outbursts of wrath. I have no excuse for that, none whatsoever. Uh, my wife is about as perfect as she can be, but I can tell you if I was married to the meanest woman on earth, I have no right to have an outburst of wrath. Can y'all say amen? I have no right to hate anyone. I have no right to speak hateful things. Because if I am, I'm going to tell you, just as sure as adultery will cut off the flow, all of that will cut off the flow also. I will never know God. You know, we talk about the old song, I want to know him in his fullness. I will never know him in his fullness if I allow those things to operate in my life. Can we all say amen? amen. So true, isn't it? Knowing God means dying to the world, dying to self. First Peter 2.24 says, we are dead to sins. Dead to sins. Am I capable of sinning? Certainly. Have I sinned since I've been saved? Certainly. But I am dead to sins. I, that, is not, that is not the real me. That's not the real me. I need to live the life, the Christ-like life. How many can say amen? Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. See, I need to know God. I need to know him in the crucifixion. I need to know what it feels like. I need to experience crucifixion. Crucifixion. Now, I don't have to experience actually physically hanging on a cross. But I have to crucify the flesh and crucify the lust of the flesh and crucify the thoughts, the evil thoughts that come to my mind. I have to, I have to count that dead. That's done away with. How many can say amen? A little side note here, and I may get in trouble for this one, but when it comes to second marriage, let me just say this to you. 
you must you should never go into a second marriage until the first one is dead. Are y'all out there? Now the word of God tells you don't do it, but I'm I'm gonna tell you this: if you're gonna do it, you better consider that first person dead. They're no longer a part of your life. Take them out of the picture out of the picture. They should not come into your life. They should not come into your thoughts. They should not come in. They, listen, if they do, they will start working. That second marriage will never, will never work because they keep, those thoughts keep coming back. You must consider them dead. Having say amen. Now again, you know, I probably will get in trouble for that one, but so true. Anyway, knowing God means dying to the world. Second point, knowing God means suffering. Suffering? Now, this is a real sticky one. Because I hear a lot of really good people, good ministers, talking about suffering. And I've heard people, and we used to mock them when I was younger. Well, I'm just suffering for Jesus. And I have actually heard people say that, admit they meant it. They weren't suffering for Jesus. They were upset about something or, you know, somebody's hurt their feelings and, and they're suffering for Jesus. I want to give you, I'm going to, suffering by the way, Jesus suffered so we will too. And when we do that, when we do that, we begin to understand him better. We begin to know him better. Suffering is actually emotional hardship. I want to give you three points about suffering. Suffering is not sickness or disease. Jesus never suffered sickness or disease. So if you're sick, oh, point two, God never put it on you or caused it to happen. Point three, a terrible, painful death brings absolutely no glory to God. So you're not, if, you're, if you're sick in your body this morning, you're not suffering for Jesus. You're not suffering the kind of suffering that Jesus did. Just as Jesus did, we suffer, and this is how we suffer, and this is the way he suffered. We suffer rejection. We suffer being misunderstood. We suffer being mocked, hated, lied on. All of those things he suffered. You and I will suffer too. But I'm going to give you a key here to this suffering if, you, if it's really going to work in your life and you're going to experience it like Jesus did. 1 Peter 2.19 writer said, we should endure grief and suffering wrongfully or for no just cause. No just cause. We, we should endure that. Christ, verse 21, Christ suffered, leaving us an example. Verse 23, that when he was reviled, he did not retaliate. If you're suffering, if somebody said something hateful about you, Hateful about you. Retaliation is not the Christ way to do things. I mean, say amen. When you suffer, when you have not done anything wrong, and you take it and you keep your mouth shut, that's really suffering like Jesus suffered. Because when he was reviled, he did not retaliate. He did not revile again. He didn't speak against them. When they rejected him, he was rejected by his own family. He was rejected by friends or supposed friends. And so you and I will suffer those kinds of things. And when you do, listen, listen, when you do, you're experiencing rejection and suffering just like Jesus did. And you're getting to know him better. Oh, now I understand. I mean, say amen. How many would admit, now you understand a little better. 
the suffering that Jesus went through. He was rejected. He was spit on. He was even, they even said he had a demon. The son of God, they said he had a demon. So you say, well, people are talking bad about me. Well, just suck it up, buttercup. That's the way life goes. Smile at me. I know those of you that have a mask on, you're smiling behind the mask. It's all right. John 16, 33, in this world, in the world, you will have tribulation. Tribulation there is trouble and pressure. It's going to happen. God didn't cause it. God didn't cause it. Sometimes even really probably pretty good people cause it. Sometimes they're not so good. But sometimes they just misunderstand you and they don't know, you know, they don't know what's going on on the inside of you. And so they judge you and they say things about you, but you just have to learn to zip the mouth. I've learned that the best thing for me, you, you know, I, I even my mother a couple of times, she would say to me, would, would you, would you respond in some way? She'd be talking or somebody, would you respond in, in talking? I said, mama, I learned a long time ago that I'll, if I'll be slow to speak, I, I get along much better. Because I can tell you, I may be slow to speak, but the mind is running fast. <laughs> There's some things, how many's ever been there? There's some things I'd really like to say, but this is probably not the time to do it. And everybody said, amen. You know, a dead person does not res- respond or react to offense. It will happen to you, but your reaction has to be Christ-like. That's suffering like Jesus suffered. Point number three, the one I really want to get to. Knowing God means experiencing the power of his resurrection. Power there again is the, the, the Greek word dunamis, which means special miraculous power. And when we experience, now we, we experience death, we experience suffering. When we experience the power of resurrection, it's a, it's, a, it's a mighty thing. The, the same power, we sing that old song, but the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that raised us from the death we were born with because of Adam. We were born into sin. We were born, sounds crazy to say, doesn't it? We were born dead in our trespasses and sin. We really were. But... But, and again, they won't put these on the screen, I don't believe. But look at Ephesians chapter 2. But you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Verse 5, and you were seated together with Christ. Verse 6, raised together and made to sit together. That's the power of resurrection. Let me tell you, let me tell you, folks. And I'm sure you could, hopefully you could say this, everyone in the room. We, we die to sin. And baptism, there'll be a baptism here this afternoon with the Spanish congregation. Baptism is a form of signaling I'm died. I'm laid down under the water. I'm laid down in the tomb. Now I'm coming back up to new life. So we've experienced death, burial, and resurrection now, just like Jesus did. Because that same power that raised him raised you and I. I remember, I, I talked about this last week, what happened to me in my life. What happened to me in my life was I was a dead man. The song says, a dead man walking. 
I was a dead man walking. But I can tell you on Mother's Day that year, I gave my life to Jesus and everything changed. Everything. See, the real, the old man died and the real new me began to live again. How many say amen? How many lift your hands and say, thank God, thank God I've experienced the power of the resurrection. Yeah, I've experienced that. And I know him in death. I know him in suffering. Now I know him in the power of that resurrection. And I am seated with him. Seated with him. We sit together. together. I'm going to give you a little bit more good information here. If you're really hearing and you get this in your heart and apply it, it's a victorious life. We're seated with him. Where are we seated? Ephesians chapter 1. He raised, verse 20, God raised Jesus from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. And you're saying, yeah, but that's talking about Christ. You and I are seated far above powers and principalities. Yeah, but this is talking about Christ. And then he goes on, verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Listen, if, if my head is seated above far above principalities and powers, then my body is seated far above all that too. Who are you? We are the body of Christ. So we're seated with him. We're seated with him far above all of that. Well, you know, and this is something else I heard growing up a lot. The old devil done this and the old devil done that and and which was a lot better than what a lot of folks were saying. God done this and God done that. The old devil done this and the old devil done that. Well, I can tell you that you and I have authority over him. If the devil is working in your life, if the devil is working in your family, if the devil is attacking someone that you know, you and I need to take authority over that because we're seated far above that. How many say amen? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. I'm of a, I'm of a heavenly class. How many say amen? How many believe you're of the heavenly class? Seated with Christ in heavenly places. And so we, we are seated with him. Turn back to Philippians, and, and, and uh, this probably won't be on the screen either. But I want you to see something here. I said I've been serving God for 50 years. And you think after 50 years, you know, you would learn some things. And you do. I've gotten to know God pretty good. But I still have this hunger and this drive on the inside of me. I want to get to know him more. Look what Paul said. Verse 12 of Philippians chapter 3. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not there yet. I'm really happy 
I'm really glad for what I've taught and talked about this morning. I'm really glad that that's working in my life. But I can tell you, I want more. I want more of God in my life. I want to know him better. I want to know him more. Beverly and I have been living together, married. I better throw that in there, hadn't I? These 30-some years, and, and I, I've gotten to know her. But I don't want to give up. I want to know her more. That's what love does. Love makes you want to know. Wants to, wants to draw you close. How many can say amen? I want to know God. I want to be close to him. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. How many want a closer walk? Again, I'm referring to a lot of songs, but just a closer walk with you. How many would like to have a closer walk with God this morning? <laughs> well, wasn't that a great episode? If this episode has meant anything to you, if this podcast is ministering to you and speaking to you, helping you live a life more after the things of God, then we'd appreciate your financial contribution to help us continue to do this. You can go on over to our website at WLFAR.com and click on the Give tab and contribute to what God is doing here in Northwest Arkansas. I can assure you, you will be blessed.